Hey everyone, I think we've got a few more people to join. Luckily, I wasn't too far behind on the old gov call chat. I guess we haven't had too many uh, gov calls, so um, I'm going to ask someone to drop in if they could. Um, the two sips that we're presenting today, or actually, is it three now? It's even more. Five, isn't it? Five. Five. Oh, wow, I got no idea what's going on. All right, someone else needs to run this. I ran the the previous call with the um, with the council. And I'm out. I haven't had enough coffee yet, so someone else feel free to jump in. Sure, I can present it. So, uh, thank you everyone for joining. We're um, we'll start with SIP 148. So it was it's the liquidation uh, new liquidation system. Uh, the SIP is uh, by Kane and Spreek. So Spreek, would you like to join the or Kane? Yeah, yeah. It's, Go ahead, so uh... it's, yeah. So it was it was Spreek, myself, and then um, Jackson and uh, and um, Anton and I. Um, you know, kind of took it and, and extended a little bit um, uh, and, and kind of modified the mechanism um, a little bit. But the, the original uh, impetus and, and original design came from Spreak. So um, this SIP was, if I remember correctly, um, presented a while ago, maybe uh, four or five months ago. And then it was de-scoped um, uh, as we were getting closer to wrapping up um phase one we were trying to get into phase two so we could focus on uh the debt pool synthesis um which is obviously very high priority um as well as uh, synthetic futures which is another um, very high priority so we i think we just got to a point where we said you know look this is maybe not something that's that um worthwhile um but i think in hindsight um you know given the price action and and the overall you know macro market conditions uh the view was to to revive it and, and pull it back out of v3 scope where it got put um and put it back into the the v2x scope um so there is currently a feasibility process being done on this um 
my understanding is that feasibility hasn't identified any issues um, in in how this SIP um, uh, is spec'd. Um, so you know, we I think we've gotten to the point where we're able to present it um, without uh, any concern that it's going to be modified or, or you know have issues in feasibility. Um, so uh, you know, as you can see in the in the SIP itself. Um, we saw a liquidation uh, cascade um, in June of last year, um, and the intent behind this SIP is to essentially avoid liquidation cascades. Um, and so, the way that uh, the SIP works is rather than uh, flagging a um, an under collateralized position um, when it gets below two hundred percent, and then giving that person three days to restore their ratio back to either 400% on Ethereum or 500% on, um, on optimism, uh, after which, uh, if they haven't done, they can be liquidated up to those ratios um, and requiring people to have sufficient uh, SUSD or requiring liquidators, I should say, to have sufficient SUSD to liquidate them, uh, which is a fairly inefficient process. And we've seen, you know, that, that the liquidation process itself is is not super efficient. Um, typically, what happens is uh, a liquidator will borrow SUSD from Aave or something like that. Um, in the case of a, a large liquidation, this is, um, and they will use that SUSD to liquidate immediately, pull the SNX collateral out of the um, of the under collateralized positional flag position, and then dump it on market, um, which then creates a scenario where even more uh, addresses can be flagged for liquidation, et cetera, et cetera. And so this is what we saw in June, and um, you know we realized that it's just not an ideal. Uh, solution. There's also been discussions around liquidations and, and concerns about liquidations in that it's not a very democratic uh, or, or fair process in the sense that like only uh, people that are running bots or have uh, large capital um, uh, balances can liquidate large addresses. Um, and so this kind of addresses both of those concerns because it creates um, this sort of uh, uh, I guess, distributed liquidation mechanism where everyone gets the benefit of liquidations. Um, so if there is an under-collateralized position, uh, the entire network gets the benefit of liquidating them rather than having the liquidations go to a specific liquidator um, and then have that person uh, or that address dump uh, the SNX in order to recover the, the um, SUSD that they posted. So essentially what happens is um, if... Uh, and this is this has been modified a little bit uh, from the last time this was presented. Um, but essentially, what happens is the system itself uh, can modify the debt percentage of a particular position, right? Um, so, in in the original uh, presentation, the plan was to mint SUSD. So, the the minor modification here, um, if you're looking at the abstract, um, is rather than minting SUSD what the, the liquidation mechanism uh, is going to do is just modify the debt percentages. Um, and so basically, uh, the debt shares contract, um, which is going to be implemented soon, which replaces the debt register, will be modified for everyone simultaneously. So uh, we will remove debt shares from the liquidated address. Um, and we'll increase the debt shares for everyone else. They'll be basically redistributed. Um, and then the SNX will be transferred into um, a, uh, a, a reward 
address essentially um, and assigned instantaneously to everyone based on the increase in the debt shares that they uh, received. And this will allow um, even smallholders to accumulate uh, their rewards over time um, and uh, and claim them later when uh, you know it's it's not gas prohibitive when the, the cost of claiming um, is not too high. Now in the current situation on L1, this is not as much of a concern as it was uh, back in the day because most of the small stakers below, say, 10,000 SNX have migrated to Optimism now. Um, so most of the people who are still on L1 have large enough collateral balances uh, that they're not going to be impacted by gas costs too much for claiming their SNX. Um, but essentially what happens is uh, a liquidated account um, has their, uh, their debt position modified. Everyone else's debt position is modified to take on the debt of that position. And then the SNX is distributed equally to everyone in the network instantaneously at that time, which they can claim later. Um, so that's the, that's kind of the, the fundamental mechanism that we're discussing. Um, there are a couple of, uh, implications there, but I'll, I'll stop it there to give anyone a chance to kind of ask questions or, or we can discuss. Sure, there was um, a few points. Uh, uh, Boyan had raised the, the point that uh, the the initial parameters, maybe that are specified in the SIP itself, they need to be like uh, kind of a bit modified. Hundred so, percent. They were they were very much YOLO. Like and, let's just throw out yeah. some numbers. So yeah, that's definitely up okay. for discussion. Sure. Great. So the initial. Uh, Penalty is the ma major one on the self uh, Sorry, just before, I, I guess before we get into that, I wanted to see if there was any sort of questions about the, the overall mechanism itself or, or any concerns. If ever, like, I think okay. most people who are, yeah. who are listening probably are across this because it has been discussed a number of times, but I just, I wanted to kind of get past the, the actual mechanism design component, sure. make sure that the, the council was happy. And then we can maybe dig into the, the parameters because I think the parameters are, are kind of, um, you know, predicated on us accepting that this is a good idea in principle. Sure. The ma major concern that was raised, I think, by Ikpeni and myself and others, Millie also, is that uh, in case of uh, a large liquidation were to take place, more wallets will be underwater and they will be accordingly liquidated as well. And the reason being is that they have to claim their collateral to be uh, calculated in their C ratio calculation. So yeah, that correct. was the yeah. major point of, point of um, concern. Uh, and there is no uh, effective workaround to calculate C ratio automatically using what is claimable in that contract. Because then, correct. Uh, when, yeah, you can't. Yeah. You can't. Yeah, you can't definitively yeah. do it. I know we did discuss this uh, last year, and there was a question that was raised around. Um, you know, can we modify uh, the um, uh, the collateral contract um, to look at both? Because uh, remember, you know, the, the SNX yeah. that's in escrow is also included in your collateral balance, right? So like there is a function for looking in other places for other collateral that you are owed. Um, so it's not impossible to do this. Um, I don't think that it's been spec'd. I think we need to ask um, the engineer who's doing feasibility on it. I'm not sure if uh, if I know is on I the feel call. It is I feel it is a recursive 
kind of function because assume that the guy that never claimed gets liquidated and he has some in that contract. So and so SNX will flow out from that contract and back into that contract. Yeah, <laughs> it is kind of a tricky. It, it, I mean, tricky it, it is, it is. But I think my, uh, I think my pushback at the time um, was very much. And I mean, clearly, we shouldn't tr- trust my off the cuff uh, math after uh, my tweet yesterday. Um, but my pushback at the time, I, if I remember correctly, was basically something along the lines of, "Let's look at the Treasury Council. If the Treasury Council gets liquidated." Right in in this regime, right. Let's assume that we have the Treasury Council, you know, uh, in the same position that they're in now, the exact position that, that we have, and we assume whatever the price threshold is for them to be instantaneously liquidated. What is the implication? Like, let's model that out. I know I don't believe in models, but you know, here we are. Maybe I don't believe in models because I can't do math. But um, I think if we if we look at that model and we say. Um, Okay, you know, under that scenario, if the Treasury Council is liquidated, there is a liquidation cascade, then we can maybe look at do we change the parameters to increase the threshold or decrease the penalty or et cetera, et cetera. Um, or we can say, you know, that scenario is so dangerous and, and so, uh, so problematic that we need, you know, to have this modification whereby you know everyone uh everyone's collateral balance is increased by their unclaimed balance in the rewards contract um it's not a hard technical thing to do so you know there's an argument for for doing that unfortunately i don't think the person who's who's implementing this is here um and jacko's sick as well so um oh if there is an engineer who has looked at this code, who can who can provide feedback on this, that would be awesome. Um, if not, then uh, I think we can we can raise this question uh, as we go through feasibility. Can I just make a quick comment? Um, even if you even if you uh, have the collateral included from the claiming contract, you still can have cascades because obviously. You only get credit for you know one over target C ratio of that essentially. Correct. Of course. Yeah, of course. I think my my like my high level reasoning is provided the network itself is not under collateralized, you can have a liquidation cascade where, you know, in theory, the most collateralized person ends up with all of the collateral, right? Um and you know, you just have a single address now that has all of the SNX and all the collateral and, you know, the, the end state is that uh, they, they've got all the debt and all the collateral and, you know, they have the, the starting network C ratio that you started with in theory, right? Like, I think that that's a reasonable assumption that if like every single person's cascaded, the last person ends up with whatever the starting ratio uh, of the entire network, um, the state ratio was, or the active ratio we used to call it, I guess, Um uh, not the network C ratio, sorry, the active uh, ratio, because obviously this doesn't apply to people who are unstaked. Um, and so provided you aren't actively under collateralized, which in the past we have been, so there are scenarios where if we were actively under collateralized, I think, yes, you absolutely could have a liquidation cascade, not necessarily, but it, it could happen. But provided this prevents you from getting into that scenario, which I think the old liquidation regime allowed that to happen, where if we have the right parameters, this should prevent it, then it, like, logically it should be okay uh, do, do you agree with that well i'm not sure it's okay if everyone ends 
or if one person ends up with all the S and X at the end. No, like obviously that's terrible. That, that's a terrible outcome. But like just like if you take it, you know, the the like reductio ad absurdum is like if ever you know if there's one person who's way over collateralized and everyone else is like on the liquidation threshold, and then you get this cascading liquidation. In theory, ever like all of the collateral and debt goes to that one person who is the least under collateralized, right? Um, yeah, which is not an ideal scenario, but that's what would happen. And that person would not, in principle, be under collateralized because if the active C ratio was above uh, above the, the you know um, the threshold, then they wouldn't be liquidated, right? Like they would, you would end up with just a single address that had all of the S and X. I don't like. I don't think that that happens. I think you could get like you know. Well, you could end up with a big transfer from the class of people 100%. that are degens to the class of people that are way too safe. You could. And I guess the question is like, is, you know, what are the parameters that we want to implement that prevent that? Because I do agree with you that, you know, the people who are sitting at like 2000% C ratios, I don't know that we necessarily want to put the network in a position where like those people end up with all of the uh all of the collateral and and debt because they're not necessarily even optimizing for the best network outcome yeah so one of the things i mean this was originally one of the things that i was thinking about with the sip is to try to have like whatever incentives are necessary to get people to stay near the target as often as possible um so I think like originally the idea was that like, okay, so we have 400% target and we say, if you go down below 300% and stay there for X amount of days, then you can get liquidated. And I don't- Yeah, so, so it's not- that I don't exact that's mechanism, but- Yeah, so I think, I think our assumption, you know, again, this is going back like almost six months ago now when we were, um, when Anton and, and Jacko and I were discussing this, we were assuming that continuous staking and continuous staking rewards um, was going to be semi close to being implemented at the same time as this liquidation mechanism. Um, I think the fact that we will have debt shares allows for continuous staking to be considered. I don't think it's a great idea to put it into V2X scope. Um, but if there is huge concern about something like this, whereby, you know, people that are way over collateralized could end up um, you know, owning the entire network at the expense of people who are were trying to kind of keep their ratios, uh, you know, close to to you know the target. Uh, I think that would be a bad outcome. Um, so, I mean, you already have, the interesting thing is you already have a mechanism whereby over collateralized people are 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 underpaid, right? Like there is a penalty the further away you are from the target ratio. So I feel like we don't have a huge amount of that happening like there aren't that many people that are sitting at like two thousand percent realistically i mean i think um, it's, I it's think... mostly people that are just like lazy and haven't really been paying attention agreed agreed which would be a bad outcome right like if if what the laziest guy in the network ends up owning the entire network right like that's obviously problematic right um i think we just need to i think we need to maybe accept that that is one of the trade-offs and then if we understand that, that is a trade-off and we still believe that it's worthwhile pursuing this, um, then I think the parameterization is kind of the next question from there. My personal view is I think this is a better liquidation regime. It's not perfect, but it's a better regime than the current one that we have. Um, yeah. Predicated, predicated on what the parameters are, right? If we have dumb parameters and like, you know, we have a 
C ratio of 250% and the liquidation thresholds 225, like that's just going to end up in chaos. But I think if we have the right parameters, it could work. Yeah, I agree. Um, one thing that Boyan and I talked about for a while, and I don't know if this um, has been considered at all, but having the so right now we have the rewards function is basically like a decreasing linear function of C ratio. So like the lower your C ratio is, the higher your rewards are essentially. Um, and one thing you could do is you could change that function in a way so that it's maximized at the target. Um, and maybe it decreases, decreases faster than linear on either side potentially to where people are sort of incentivized to stay around the target, at least within, you know, some of some threshold. I don't know if uh, any of you are connoisseurs of uh, the old Haven white paper, um, but if you go back and look at like, I think page four or something, there's actually like this exact function is described, which was supposed to be implemented like a hundred years ago, but here we are. Um, so like, I, I think that is the optimal uh payoff um uh regime for for staking um you want this like you know non-linear curve around uh the target ratio um i think it's planned at least for consideration in v3 with continuous staking um a fifth uh probably has more insight into that than i do again i don't think it makes sense to modify this logic in v2x given how close we are to wrapping up phase one and, and getting into the debt pool I, I just i feel to me it feels like the trade-off's not worth it um i'm very happy to be wrong there if uh if there's pushback from everyone else one thing that i am a little bit frustrated with to be totally honest is that the person doing feasibility on this is not here to present it um let me just check who that is right now um i think it's mark maybe it's just not a good time for him um but yeah we, we probably should have coordinated this better i would be open to now that we've initiated this conversation leaving it here uh and setting up a, a separate time because i think that some of the feasibility around the implementation is is fairly critical to this conversation um i think we have a high level understanding and everyone's got the context again and we can Kind of keep the discussion going but i i i would argue as the i guess sole presenter of this thing right now maybe spreak i don't know if you have any thoughts but i would argue for actually parking this and, and representing it uh later i don't think there's any urgency because it's not going to be implemented in the next week anyway we can we can table it for the next presentation would it be fair to say that uh, these incentive improvements would would actually be another sip and the current the proposed liquidation mechanism is is good enough to be an improval overall and can can just move yes. forward. Yes. Yeah, I think yeah, it would be fair to say that you could uh you could write a SIP for continuous staking, which we do have for V3, um, or at least a sketch of a SIP um, for V3 that a fifth has been working on. Um it would then just be a question of is that something that is needed? But I think there are several questions around implementation details that have been raised that I unfortunately just can't answer. Like how easy is it to um to you know modify some of the the logic here around um you know specific things. So I think it would be good to have the 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 person who's doing feasibility uh from an engineering standpoint 
answering these questions rather than me hand waving them. I don't think that's the best bet here in terms of the presentation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. I just I just wanted to point it out that it sounds like it's separate things and that liquidation Agreed. details can can probably be improved in a later SIP as well. Agreed. Like the I think the um the continuous staking improvement would be a separate SIP. Um if we wanted to make that a dependency, we could. I think there's just some additional implementation detail that it would be good to get into. Um I think especially around the parameterization. Uh, I would like to have the, the person who um, who's who's doing feasibility here to discuss the the parameterization because they're the deepest in the code and and are going to have I think the best insight into what those parameters um, might look like. Um, obviously, there's going to be some opinions. I know Caleb has some opinions around parameters. Um, maybe what we should do is uh, the SIP also needs to be modified as well. Um, I think there might be a, a PR outstanding. The SIP needs to be modified to um, call out the fact that SUSD is no longer minted. Um, that the debt shares are just modified. So, like again, I'm I'm just saying I think the SIP needs to be tabled and and we represent it uh, maybe next week or something like that. I know there's some urgency around it, but um, I don't think it's going to slow down the process too much to to um, find another time to present it. Sure, no worries. Then we can table the parameters until after it's presented. Cool. I just want to okay. um, maybe mention one thing maybe that Spreek mentioned is that he said that even though um, someone someone might get uh, uh, liquidated, uh, insta-liquidated, even if, he, if others claim they could um, uh, maybe be uh, uh, at risk of being insta-liquidated as well, well, this really depends on the penalty. So if you give um, stakers a 50% penalty, that won't be the case uh, of uh, being uh, going below the 150%. So there are uh, things we can do so that to avoid others getting uh, Insta after one guy gets an Insta liquidation. Although 50% is a bit high. Um, I do want to ask one thing is that if we can also put it into the scope of uh, having a function that batch distributes the collateral to all the wallets that are uh, currently uh, supposed to get SNX, uh, escrowed SNX. So it's like, uh, like the flagging function, but here it would just assign the necessary SNX to the wallets that are um, pending that they claim. Is this kind of possible? I think so. I mean, you know, I think there was also a discussion of putting the SNX that's claimed into escrow or something like that, um, which would be a little bit aggressive, but you could you could contemplate it. Um, so. Um, so yeah, I think there are some other uh, some other things on, we could potentially do. On optimism, the uh, pro computational costs are quite low. So if we can uh, have this function there, and a bot calls it, and he gets like one SNX to SNX because it doesn't cost much to maybe uh, call this function on optimism. It would. Yeah, uh, I think I think the I think what what it will do, if I'm not mistaken, um, is it, the the actual liquidation function gets more expensive 
um, the the more uh, uh, SNX is assigned. Again, feasibility, I don't know exactly what the current implementation details are. So the last time it was discussed, I think that was the expectation, um, is that the liquidation cost would go up. Um, now, that's obviously problematic because if the liquidation costs go up, too high, then you get into a situation where it becomes, um, you know, infeasible to actually liquidate. Um, and if if you have a lot of small addresses that are just not claiming, and there's like this, you know, let's say there's three thousand stakers on on L1 right now. If the cost uh, is borne by the liquidator for incrementing those values for all three thousand every time, uh, then that's going to be significantly higher than just uh distributing like doing a, a single um right because you're not you know you know calling that function three thousand times again i don't know how deep they've gotten into feasibility around implementation around that so i can't really speak to it but i my expectation is that the liquidator would bear the cost not that there's like some other keeper function that's like adding these these things up the other the other option is that the claimer bears the cost but that you you know bundle up those claims such that uh you know it, it but i mean we've seen we've seen what the cost is for for example like uh you know vesting 30 vesting entries for example right like it's it's not um it's not linear but it's still very expensive like you don't save that much unfortunately uh when when you're you know claiming 20 vesting entries by waiting to vest a whole bunch it, it still costs you know uh multiples of of what a single vesting uh uh, call is so there's some things that we can do i think to reduce the cost of this but on l1 i actually don't think it's that big of a deal because most of the people are, are large enough holders that it would be meaningful amounts of collateral they'd be getting there's only what as i said like a couple thousand people left now sure, so anyway I, I, we've got five yeah, other sure. or 50 other sure. to present so we should probably move on to uh sure. to the next one i think uh, SIP 185 is next, and uh, Jack was not here. So should we postpone it till another day? No, I think or I'm supposed to be presenting that one. Um, just one, hey, one last just, thing on the, the liquidation SIP. There was a question in the GovCall chat. Yeah, exactly. What so. would happen if if the link oracle were to have an error and say asset X was worth zero or whatever? Um, what sort of safeguards are in place against that? Yeah, agreed. If there is an Oracle, so, you know, obviously uh, the SNX um, uh, price is, um, you know, pushed by a Chainlink Oracle. Um, so if there were an Oracle issue um, with, with the SNX price, then that would be very problematic. I think if we had, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm not fully caught up um, with the GovCall chats. So I don't know the exact question, but if something like that were to happen, my view would be like you're in fork territory at that point, right? Like if the price were to go zero uh, and, you know, there was this liquidation cascade and a single address ended up owning all of the SNX, I think you're literally like freezing the network and, and forking away and, and redistributing back to the pre-liquidation state. Um, you know, you're in like a, a KRW style situation where, um, you know, you, I mean, maybe you are, maybe the, I, I don't even think you could say to that person, like, Hey, um, you know, give us back the SNX because they're going to be debt trapped, right? Like the, there's going to be too much, uh, too much debt and not enough SUSD to even be able to like redistribute that. So I just don't even, I mean, you could probably unwind it some other ways, but mm -hmm. I think you're probably forking. It's my honest view. 
so we don't have any plans for like a circuit breaker or something because i mean that would be what would make sense to me is say like what we have right right price feeds where if you know if snx price changes by more than 30 percent in one update then we you know freeze the liquidation mechanism or something i think that's a very valuable addition uh to the sip um that yeah that if if you know there there's a an snx price circuit breaker i don't believe i might be mistaken um jj could could speak to this better because he um he implemented the circuit breaker logic i don't believe that there's currently a circuit breaker on snx um, i think but, no, no. but there might but there could be there could be and i just don't know about it because we didn't discuss it but um there probably should be on some sense like if snx went from you know, five dollars to fifty dollars. All of a sudden, I think we probably would want a circuit breaker that prevented not exchanges but minting and burning. Um, but that was implemented a long time ago, and unfortunately, I just can't recall the context of of whether that was implemented. So I don't know the answer to that one. I, I, I think I just, just want to to suggest let let us go on, and we definitely have to make a call probably just for that sip alone. <laughs> And <laughs> yeah, I think this, if I remember correctly, I think this is what happened last time we discussed this sip. It went on for like three hours and we didn't yeah. get a resolution. Then we parked it. So yeah, good call. Let's move on. All right. So we'll move on to sip 185, which is, which is on the debt shares. Um, can you, you will be presenting this. Um, yeah, so SIP-185, um, I think, uh, again, it, this is related, obviously, to um, uh, the implementation of the uh, liquidation mechanism, um, but uh, it is an independent SIP. Um, so essentially, we have a situation now where I came up with what seemed like at the time um, a good way of tracking uh, all of the um, interactions with the debt pool of, you know, what eventually at one point was, you know, something on the order of like 10,000 different addresses um, who were, were interacting with debt pool. The issue that you have um, on Ethereum is that you can't iterate over um, an array very easily, right? Like you can't, you know, go in and make uh, a bunch of changes to um, uh, the state of um, everyone in a network when one person does something. It, it's just cost prohibitive. It just doesn't make sense, right? So you have to find a way to roll up um, the the information. And so what we came up with was this idea of a debt register where you have an entry point and an exit point, and then you have uh, like universal changes that happen uh, every time someone mints and burns, right? You know, every time if I reduce the debt pool by ten percent, then everyone else, you know, by definition goes up by ten percent. Um, and so you have these uh, these kind of roll up functions where you look at when did the person join the debt pool, when did the person exit, and you calculate in between those times uh, a single number, right? Um, which allows you to work out what their change in the debt percentage was from when they entered and exited, and then you can calculate how much debt they owe. It's, it's cool, but it's very bad for a whole bunch of reasons. It doesn't allow you to do cross-chain stuff because there's just no way to, to kind of keep um, that kind of information in sync across two networks. Um, because you you need to write to the debt register uh, sequentially. That's one of the kind of constraints, and you can't write sequentially um, using cross chain messaging because you know you could have two people mint 
uh, on one network and then another person into another network. And so we came up with this idea of, okay, you know, tokens are good, right? Back in 2017, when we were designing this, it, in 2018, it didn't, it, you know, tokenization of everything was not um, de jour, I suppose. Uh, but now the idea is that you just tokenize everything, right? Um, and so basically what we're going to do is replace this debt register uh, construct with a tokenized representation. Um, so we will um, pause the network and we will remove the uh, the logic that looks um, at the debt register for everyone's debt percentages um, and we'll replace it with this contract that has a number of shares um, that represents your percentage of the ownership. And if you, you know, come in and subsequently mint, then you get extra debt shares. If you uh, come in and subsequently burn, then that will burn some of your debt shares. And we can then have Chainlink look at these two contracts and basically uh, roll up the total debt shares across both networks and push the debt shares using a debt shares Oracle um, data to both networks. So you don't have this um, issue of requiring every single interaction to be sequential. Um, you can kind of roll up the overall change in debt shares every hour or so um and you can you can push that across um using you know an oracle to get kind of cross-chain messaging and that allows both networks to know uh what's happening and it also allows for you to do things like instantaneous distribution of um snx rewards for liquidations um it allows you to do things like continuous staking uh because you can have like a staking rewards contract that's looking at this debt shares contract um instantaneously so there's just a whole bunch of uh you know, cool things that you get out of it. Um, and it's pretty hard to reason about the the debt register anyway. And I think there's only like three people um, who really understand it. Um, so, you know, replacing it with something that's tokenized, that's much more easy to reason about just makes sense. So that's the, that's basically 185 in a nutshell. So, so my main question here is about ch chain link if uh, possible. So, Mm -hmm. Chainlink would be pushing what information on both chains? Uh, they would be pushing the uh, the total amount of debt shares on both chains and the sum of the debt shares um, on both chains. Uh, so basically, they they would be telling each chain um, both what the total is cumulatively, and this this works for multiple chains as well. Obviously, right? It doesn't have to be just Optimism and Ethereum. It could be Optimism, Arbitrum, and Ethereum, or Optimism, Polygon, and um, and you know something else, right? Um, so you can have any arbitrary number of uh, of oracles that's basically reading the debt shares contracts on these different chains um, and pushing it. I don't think you need that, but it could do it. Really, this is an interim solution until all of the debt um, is migrated to Optimism. At least that's kind of been the plan. Um, the plan is to deprecate staking on L1 and move it um, completely onto um, L2. So this is definitely like an interim, um, the, at least the Oracle component is an interim solution right now. But we could get to a point where we decide that actually we do want to maintain staking, you know, given that this is a system that works in, in principle, it might make sense that the community decides that, you know, we do want to keep L1 staking alive. We think it's a good thing to do. And we might even we want, you know, people to be able to stake on Polygon or Starknet or something like that. So um, it, it is future-proofed, but it is something that right now in the current roadmap is transitory. So, 
So they will be pushing total debt shares, uh, total amount of debt shares that is available on the uh, on the planet. Correct. But um, yeah. how how would they be like uh, this? Will be able to merge the debt pool, right or no? Correct. So yes. Yeah. So so just a quick also note. Need inf- uh, just ahead. a quick note that this is getting a little bit into SIP one sixty five, uh, but uh, true. It most is yeah clear. Yep. Um, it would be uh, one oracle, which uh, the upper bits are the total debt shares across all networks, and uh, the lower bits are the total amount of uh, debt across all networks that is backed by the okay. stakers. So the by by total amount of debt, it in- excludes wrap stuff Excluding, and yeah. loan stuff and. So it will be like one number for uh, debt shares and one number for total debt on, yeah. on the other chain or on yeah, both correct. chains. It's basically on mirrored on all chains. Yeah. Okay. And and the latency on this is expected to be like uh, on L1. Well, there'll, be, there'll be a, a deviation threshold. Um, but remember, if you look at the debt caching mechanism, uh, that was running as slowly as like every 12 hours at one point or even every 24 hours. Um, and uh, there were minimal issues. Um, so we've kind of looked at it. And I think the deviation threshold um, uh, we proposed is, is something like 1%. Um, is that right? DB, do you know what the deviation threshold is that we propose? I apologize. I know we're getting into I know we're getting into 165, but um, I think it's somewhat related. So yeah, can you? Sorry, I missed the question. Oh yeah, just um, what's the the deviation threshold? Like we know with the debt cache, like we've got empirical data that you know you can kind of push the the updates to the the debt pool every four to twelve hours, and it's fine. Um, Do you know what the deviation threshold is on the article that we're proposing? Uh, no, we haven't specified that yet, but it wouldn't need to be okay. that tight because the right. risk so, so is pretty would, low. It would be to be it would need to be tight enough as to avoid someone um, being uh, front running it in the sense Correct. of uh, lowering their debt uh, because uh, he sees no. that debt. Not in that sense. Go ahead. Uh, there's a longer explanation for why this is, but uh, the deviation threshold <laughs> is based. Yeah. It's based on the ratio between uh, the total issued since uh, or the SNX back debt effectively uh, divided by the total debt shares. And the only way that that number changes is when uh, there's exposure to SETH or SBTC or something like that, and uh, and those exchange rates are fluctuating. So you can't front run it by simply minting or burning a lot. Are we but presenting 165 that... today as, as well? No. No. We're no. not. Okay. No. Right. Can I can I suggest because I spent sure, like sure. an hour digging into this and it was a long hour and it was painful. Um and I got to the point where I was like, yep, okay, I, I understand the reasoning. I think it would be like if you just operate on the assumption that like 165 handles this component and debt shares is just about the representation of debt and ignore the cross-chain messaging stuff for now let's assume that there are distinct debt pools um debt shares as a replacement for 
the debt register on any individual net network, ignoring the cross-chain messaging component, is probably the scope of this discussion. I think the the we can discuss 165 in a separate presentation because it'll need like 148. It's going to need a bit of time to kind of walk through the exact examples because, as I said, it, it took me an hour to kind of dig into exactly how the logic works and, and get comfortable with the fact that it's it's a viable approach. Sure. So so the 165 is a prerequisite to 191. Uh, one. Uh... The, the 185 other way around other way around yeah so okay so we'll have we'll have them both together at least like one cannot uh, happen maybe with... maybe but de the debt shares contract can can be done independently it's just replacing okay. the debt register right you still have okay, the same okay. debt pools you then need to take the debt shares you can't have merged debt pools with the the debt register that's not possible, right? So you need to replace the debt register with the debt shares contract. Once you've replaced the debt register with the debt shares contract, then you need a, a cross-chain Oracle system, which is 165. If that is workable, which I believe it is, but we need to present it, obviously, uh, then you can merge the debt pools. But you could run okay. with the debt shares contract uh, you know, forever and have distinct debt pools on the different networks and it would be totally fine. It's just a better version of the debt register. Perfect, okay. Can I just These ask, are my questions. Um, I was just gonna ask, so, uh, so debt will be tokenized. I assume the token won't be transferable, much like staked SNX isn't transferable. And for us to do any kind of cool moon math stuff with composable uh, state desk next that'll have to wait for v3 so interestingly our friend anton from one inch is working on staking rewards v3 staking rewards v3 uh i guess this is an alpha leak um has the ability to inspect any state of any contract anywhere and do some cool calculations to distribute rewards. Um, so even if it is tokenized and you don't have the token, um, the very fact that there's a contract with state somewhere on Ethereum, uh, Staking Rewards V3 can actually go in and inspect that state and distribute rewards based on that continuous state. So you could, in theory, use Staking Rewards V3 and distribute the uh, the SNX inflation that's, um, that's minted weekly and have it be distributed continuously using this staking rewards, um, uh, this new staking rewards and the debt shares contract in combination. Um, that isn't some, it's something that is possible. It's, it's not something that I think anyone has necessarily discussed because um, staking rewards V3 is still being audited. Uh, but like in principle, that's possible, even though you don't hold the, because uh, you don't need to take that. Um, you don't need to take, like the, the old staking rewards you needed to have the ERC20 token to deposit into the staking rewards contract, the new one doesn't even require that. You can just say, do this thing on this contract and then inspect the state of that contract and pay rewards based on it. It's pretty amazing, but um, it's still under audit. So it's going to take a little bit of time before that's ready to go. I think probably another month-ish. So there's your alpha for the day. It's going to create some very interesting yield farming dynamics, put it that way. All right, so no questions from the audience. We can move on to SIP 191. 
which is the council dilution going to optimism. Uh, Andy, right? Yeah, all good. Can you hear me? Perfectly, perfectly. Cool, cool. All right, so SIP191 um, is called Moving Council Dilution to Optimism. Um, a high-level uh, context behind this is currently to support dilution of council members, um, the Spartan council members in particular. Um, we use a, a contract called the Council Dilution Deployed in L1. And basically what this does is at the end of each um, epoch, uh, yeah, at the end of each epoch and the start of the next epoch, um, the the PDAO goes in and it logs the election. And what logging the election means is it basically stores a snapshot of all the photos and um, all the photos for the successful candidates and how much voting weight they had at that time. So then um, what happens after this is the Spartan Council then create a... Um, when they create SIPs and SCCPs on Snapshot, um, they also write transactions to this contract um, by calling a log proposal. And uh, what this base system basically allows um, each side to do is um, the Spartan Council creates SIPs and SCCPs, and then anyone who has voted for that council member, they're able to dilute um, that council member per um, proposal. Um, so what this SIP attempts to address is, um, as, you, as you know, the latest epoch just started on, on 1st of Jan with the new Spartan Council. Um, it, we had like 1,600 votes in each of the council um, proposals compared to our usual 200 to 300 votes. So this um, bottleneck on L1 on this contract has become apparent. Uh, so what this proposes to do is we um, basically redeploy this contract onto L2 and we update the dApps to support this L2 um, contract interaction. And I did a, I used a tool um, and it showed that it was um, 10x cheaper uh, if we do it this way. Yeah, um, that's the, the overview of the SIP and what it intends to achieve. That's great because I've been waiting for a few days now to uh, propose SCCPs, but gas mm. hasn't gone below 200. Um, yeah. my, my question is that, uh, uh, so the what we voted on previously, it was, it's stored on L1, and what we will vote on is stored on, um, it will be stored on L1 as well, but initially it will be, um, on L2 uh, before being relayed back to L1. So you will have like two storage areas for uh, uh, or two stor different storage contracts for the votes. Am I correct? Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess what we can do, um, I'm yeah. not sure if I'm understanding your question correctly, is once we deploy the L2 instance, the L1 would be there in history, but we won't use it. So then... Um, sure. So then we have like, I guess, some stored in L1 up until, I guess, the 1st of Jan with like all the previous epochs. And then continu continuing on, at least for this epoch until V3GM comes out, um, we deploy and use L2. Sure. So would this entail that all the historical votes will be in a separate UI? 
uh, the the golf dot synthetics dot io they will be oh, no like no zero. um it no it should because um the photos and the photo history actually come from snapshot um the reason we have this kind of middleware is to support the kind of um the way we've well i've done dilution okay and hopefully this okay. can be like um you know the last of its kind in this way um before we move into a better approach in v3gm great um okay also there's a there's a point that we discussed as well since um uh, most of the sips and sccps like you said you've been waiting to you know create this proposal um we're kind of bottlenecked and we can't create a vote for this sip and sccp until this sip is approved and implemented if that makes sense like the chicken and egg problem so i think the smiling council had a good suggestion there where we get them to vote on this on snapshot but then when if it's approved um, we then call the vote again on the l2 instance afterwards um, enabling sure. the the um, synthetic stakers to dilute um, they if they okay. see fit so so the the thing is that we vote on something now but we revote on it later when it's deployed because mm -hmm. it would give anyone a chance to dilute if they yes, want yes. to and then obviously if it does drop a foot below the threshold then we have to refer and um the sip can be implemented yeah, yeah sure and uh let's say we do vote on the set today when uh, can it we expect it to be like uh, unleashed uh that it will be by the end of this week um yeah so i can do oh, okay. asap yeah okay. i just need to deploy it using Great. um because yeah. the because the faster we deploy it, the less things we need to revote on. Yes, is yeah. the reason I'm asking. Yeah, I agree. All right, perfect. Um, if there is no other questions from the community, uh, we can move on to SIP 196, which is uh, Justin's centralized Oracle uh, SIP. I just want to let Andy know that I'm still waiting for a reply to my DM from September of last year. Uh, let me know what you think when you get a chance. Is Justin around? Uh, so I think I'll, uh, I'm presenting that uh, 196. Ah, all right. Go ahead, please. Yeah, so uh, 196 is a kind of revival of 81, which is removing the centralized uh, Oracle which uh, wasn't used in a long while but the coil uh, the code remained in the contracts and also that was used in testing so 196 was about just removing everything and fixing the test so that uh, they use the uh, the aggregator the aggregators as as it's used in in uh, in actual deployments that's it pretty simple so removing the centralized oracle components will effectively um, remove the, the, last, the last thing that gave us control over the Oracle, and it would uh, definitely uh, give full control to Chainlink. Yeah. Yeah, only, so in, in practice, only Chainlink uh, uh, aggregators were used, and uh, 
centralized oracle was not not really used um, any longer, but uh, there was still the code and the reliance in tests. All right. And uh, if uh, we have certain um, need for it on test nets, it would not be possible to use it. Yeah, but there's really um, there's really no. Uh, um, I don't think there's a there's a need for it on test nets. It was just uh, a bit of tech tech debt on on relying on it. So there was just a lot of tests that uh, needed to be. Um, test code that needed to be updated. But basically, if you so on test nets, you deploy an aggregator like a chain link aggregators and then wire it into uh, the bits that look at traits. So it's just you're you're deploying your own aggregators if you need to. That's that's how it's done in tests uh, now after this, uh, like in in this in the implementation of this SIP, basically everything uses the aggregators, but some of them are not chain links. Uh, this is just for testing, but in actual deployments, it should only be chain link. We have a question in the audience uh, from Sintaman. It's asking if circuit breakers will be impacted by the SIP. Would um, they be impacted? No, I don't think so, because um, um, the circuit breakers they look at the rate as it's returned by the exchange rate, exchange rates uh, contract, and uh, it's just that the rate source is different, but there would still be the, the circuit breakers would still work in the same way. The maybe the question is that there's a centralized circuit breaker, as well. And that component uh, where uh, the deviation from external oracles is large, it would trigger. Would that still be uh, alive or uh, also removed? So no. So the the deviation, the the circuit breakers, they they remain in the same way. The SIP is uh, doesn't impact it. So if there is a deviation, uh, then the system will be paused. Not, not the system, no. the, the, the relevant sense will be paused. All right, perfect. Thank you very much. I think there's mm -hmm. not many questions I can see in the audience. Uh, we can move on to the next SIP. Uh, Kane, can you join us uh, back on the presentation? For the love of God. All right, fine, yeah. sure. SIP 197, huh? Um, so I, I believe uh, I believe a lot of the SIPs, you know, the, you have you hadn't authored them, but maybe you had volunteered to present them, so it's on you. I don't remember volunteering, but here we are. Anyway, I guess I I was up uh, early, so it's my it's my fault. Um, so yeah, this one is mine though, um, and it's uh, I think it's an important one. It's a minor thing, um, but I do think that we should uh, continue to observe uh, the governance process um, uh, in the wild. Um, and where we see exceptions, we should make sure that we uh, build processes around them. And I think this is a, a good example of one of those. Um, so we uh, we decided, I think. Um, sometime in, in late uh, 2020, if I remember correctly, um, that we would uh, ensure that any SIP was presented 
um, to the community um, because we had a, a couple of um, examples where things were not presented. Um, I think the best example was uh, Jackson and Clinton's attempt to unlock all of their SNX prematurely um, and uh, and dump on us, um, which thankfully we were able to avert. I think Spreak um, maybe caught that at the last minute. Um, and uh, and we didn't have a chance to present the like the implications of that change, right? So we had a very technical change to how um, uh, things were working, and and you know there wasn't really uh, a forum like we're doing here. Um, you know the liquidation discussion earlier is another good example, right? Um, I think it's very important that the community is engaged. Um, and, and has a forum to question these changes and, and interrogate them and make sure that, um, you know, any risks or uh, implications are, are um, you know, uh, caught uh, before, before they're implemented. Um, there are cases, though, where there's a deployment and there's a bug caught, um, and it's something that has a level of urgency to it. Um, and so I think that the, the council as the representation of the SNX Older token holders or stakers will right uh, is there to act on behalf of stakers right. We don't want direct token holder governance because we don't want token holders to have to vote on every single decision. Um, but we also want to ensure that there is correct oversight. There's a balance here, and I think that um, we have a structure in place already um, for if we're making meta governance changes. So if there's a meta governance SIP, we require. Um, uh, unanimous consensus on the council to make a change because we don't want a situation where uh, the council can uh, can you know make some change to reduce the number of council members, for example, to de facto you know kick someone off the council, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole bunch of examples of why meta governance needs um, consensus, and if the community disagrees, obviously, then you know you you don't have this. Uh, this tyranny of the majority because you can have people get diluted. But in cases where there's emergencies, I think it makes sense to leverage something similar and say, okay, if everyone on the council is in agreement, that effectively means that, um, you know, in principle, all of the SNX stakers are also in agreement because their representatives are, are you know, saying that we should do this thing. Um, and that allows us to therefore you know, bypass the need for a presentation and implement something quickly. Um, the one downside to this that I see right now in the current regime is that dilution is not amazing. Obviously, Andy's dilution SIP will make things a little bit better, um, uh, but uh, it's still not a perfect um, situation. But I do think that we have a, a fairly um, a fairly robust process whereby, if the council were to go rogue, for example, and, and you know implement something against the will of the SNX holders using SIP one ninety seven, that uh, it would be possible for uh, the token holders to effectively force a, a you know, re-election and um, and uh, you know kick off all the council members um, by you know, fully diluting them on the next uh, SIP that was presented. Um, and I think if the dilution threshold is reached, then it triggers a, a re-election. So there is like a credible threat, I think, to um, uh, the council members if they were to leverage 197 to do something um, malicious, um, but it's not a perfect situation. But I think it's a good interim step all the way for V3 GM. So that's the that's the presentation of um, 197. So I'm looking for questions in the channel. There was one 
thing that was uh, raised maybe by Boyan is that he would be uh, maybe in favor of doing n minus one instead of unanimous. Yeah, I don't love it. I like. I really think that we we enforce um, unanimity on meta governance decisions for exactly the same reasons that we should enforce, um, you know, uh, unanimous consensus on on uh, bypassing presentation. Um, oftentimes, there is only one voice. If you go back and look at SIP presentations that have been contentious, there's oftentimes only one person who's, you know, kind of banging the drum for, hey, this sounds dangerous, right? Like maybe, you know, in the past, it's been Spreak, it's been Big Penny on some things, it's been myself on other things, it's been Caleb on a lot of things. But, you know, there's there's very regularly situations, I think, where there's just one person who thinks that this is a bad idea and everyone else is kind of like, oh, I'm not, you know, too concerned about it. So I think enforcing um, uh, an, an event vote just makes more sense to me that's that's why you know that was my reasoning for writing it this way i fully agree with you kane but we really have to find a way to to ensure communication like to to contact people in some way i think when we asked last time um everyone was fine with with being rung up so if I, I can only speak for myself I, you can ring me up 24 hours uh, in the day if, if something important happens but we have to find a way to to reach people and especially for the for the anonymous members on on the council maybe best in a way that that doesn't infringe their their their, their anonymity to 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 uh thoroughly and agreed yeah agreed this is something we have to yeah. work on but but i'm running it is so yeah so like so this is maybe not that well known um but back in the battle days um the foundation days uh there was actually an on-call register um uh, it's one of the reasons why uh there's no longer a clinton um and and you know jackson uh struggling and everything you know we were we were all uh on call um 24 7 basically particularly when the centralized oracle uh was operating before it was transitioned to Chainlink, um and it was a bit of a nightmare um once we transitioned fully to Chainlink, uh the on-call register was slowly kind of deprecated it's still technically there um and there is still a process for kind of you know raising everyone pretty quickly and you know everyone's in emergency contacts and all that stuff on the core engineers to an extent but it's definitely i think the longer the networks kind of uh, remained up without any you know critical issues it, it has been kind of uh slowly deprecated from an engineering standpoint but i think it needs to be replaced from a governance standpoint um in the sense that you know we need some process for raising uh people i mean you know telegram in theory you know i don't know if there's if there's a way that we can have like a, a telegram bot or something like that that can somehow ring through and, and bypass uh you know people's uh privacy um or you know uh whatever whatever you call it um you know on ios if you're if you're set everything to silent or whatever um but it would be good to investigate this because i think we do need a, a process for raising everyone um but i don't think that the 
inability currently to raise everyone is sufficient justification for making it n minus one. That's that's my take, and I'm probably being, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to die on this hill, but I just I I really feel strongly that it should be eight. I, I I agree with you because every okay. every bypass of of uh, uh, the normal governance process is an exception, and an ex uh, those uh, those exceptions when we are implementing them have to. Uh, have so, have to have some uh, safeguards so, so that they are not mm -hmm. being uh, exploited, not even in in malicious way, but just uh, it it becomes convenient, and then uh, we're yeah. we're eroding our government. Hundred percent. Yeah, agree. Totally agree. Totally agree. So the so then there's a process quite, for establishing how we're okay. making contact with people not need to precede the SIP because the SIP isn't particularly developed in the realm of counting for factors such as. Um, people being unreachable due to illness, um, necessities that can't allow them to get to a ledger. I mean, we, yeah, so we I, probably I think, need to proceed. I, so I, I again, this is somewhat of a stopgap because V3GM uh, does not require this, right? So the V3GM allows for acceleration of the time locks by token holders directly. Um, so what would happen is there would be a vote um, the vote would pass via normal governance, right? So, you know, whatever, five of eight. But as soon as you have five of eight, then token holders collectively, if you reach a threshold, which will need to be decided, it might be 10%, it might be 20%, could be whatever it is, right? It might also be um, relative to the consensus that you have on the council. So, for example, if you have seven of eight on the council have voted for something, then you might only need a threshold of 10% of tokens to be able to accelerate something so that it in, it's instantaneously implemented. Um, so V3GM solves this. So, so this is really just a stopgap while we wait for V3GM to be implemented. Um, I'm hoping that it's not necessarily you know needed that much, but I think if it, if it were, it allows us to, you know, the, the process of... Uh, you know, this entire thing, right, presentations, et cetera, takes roughly on the order of like a week. We can sometimes make it happen in like three or four days. Um, I'm kind of trying to handle cases where like we need to implement something within like a day. It's pretty rare that we catch a bug and we're ready to go and do a second deployment or something like that within a, within less than a day. Like that is a fairly rare occurrence. Um, so I think for the next three months or whatever, while we're waiting for V3GM, this is probably sufficient. Um, if anyone disagrees with that, I'm, I'm open to discussing it, but that that's there's, there's the context and background of why I think that this is maybe okay, even though we might get into a situation where we can't raise everyone, it's still better than the status quo, which is that we'd have to bypass governance and get the, uh, you know, the, the PDAO to, go do this, which is still a thing, right? The PDAO could still shut down the network. The PDAO is still the stopgap while we wait for V3GM as well, right? If you can convince the PDAO members to either hold the network or to implement it outside of governance or whatever, then you can do anything you want right now, right? So there is still this like second uh, layer of protection, I guess. In speaking I, think personally, um, I can't think sorry. of any time throughout world history where the granting temporary emergency governance powers has has ever caused any problems so <laughs> there i, I know, knew right? <laughs> okay um yeah how do you follow that um i look i understand the sentiment i think it is important to have this in place 
it should be, uh, as others have said, an exception when it's used. Um, I hope it never gets used. Um, but if it does, uh, I think the, the provision in there that requires us to still uh, involve the community in the discussions um, insofar as they are being had, and um, it doesn't actually say it in here, but um, I assume that if, it, if something has to be like completely rushed, um, we, 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 have to, we should have to justify it afterwards and obviously be accountable to the community after it happens. Yeah, 100%. And, and the accountability is built into, you know, a combination of SIP 96, 104, 113, you know, various other things. I guess we could reference back to that and just say, like, there is a mechanism to dilute the council sufficiently such that there's a, a, a re-election triggered, right? So, you know, if, if everyone agreed to do something, then the community said, what the fuck are you guys doing? Um, after the fact, then, you know, it, we could all be kicked off the council very quickly. I agree with it being unanimous. By the way, I think I think we should it should have to be unanimous if we're going to bypass the process. <clears throat> Maybe one one thing without taking too much time. We implemented in because of certain uh, things happening to Talus uh, some months ago. We implemented uh, a, a tip that uh, which is our SIPs uh, uh, over there um, that allowed us to remove. An, a council member if uh, they missed uh, i think two two con uh, uh, concurrent um zip uh, uh, votings zip votings tip votings i don't know if you are comfortable with that because sometimes we have people on a uh, on a move uh, are not available but it's it's not uh, not a must it's a, a a possibility you can and this is something like which might be able to account for people being unavailable for for whatever reason for for a prolonged time um and then a unanimous mode uh, coming along and having to be passed so when we say okay this person is uh, uh, away without leave um for, for quite some time that uh, this council member can be removed if they were afk for 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 a prolonged time and then we can have a unanimous vote it's it's not perfect but it could account for some instances that Terra has uh, um, mentioned. Well, you know, like, this is not possible maybe to implement uh, in uh, synthetics because you'll have, like, uh, spam. You know, like, in Talis, I believe any not everyone can create a SIP, while in synthetics, the way is anyone can do it. True, true, so, yeah. So yeah, so we probably will get like tired of voting, 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 and then. <laughs> but but didn't we so, didn't yeah. we agree or shouldn't we at least uh, define that if you are not following the the process that that or, yeah, or do we consider the the pizza ananas uh, ananas on pizza sorry pineapple on pizza <laughs> tip as a uh, to be a legitimate a legitimate uh, vote or do we just allow it because we we don't censor the platform. Because it didn't follow the, it, the procedure. I believe. I believe the less we uh, leave it to opinion, the better. Okay. So I would prefer not to have this uh, kind of option of we deciding, and on uh, and indirectly that not to vote on a certain step. It's uh, so if you like instate a rule, a governance rule that kicks off someone if they don't vote for two consecutive steps. 
they will need to vote or they will be kicked off regardless of the sit. Uh, it's kind of, uh, you cannot bypass it with, uh, yeah. unless you change governance. Yeah, but, in but, my but, opinion. Yeah, yeah, but 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 just to 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 uh, uh, explain it. So the the tip we we uh, Taylor says it's it's not an automatic process. So it's not uh, you miss two tips and you you're uh, fired. It's just that the council has the possibility, but uh, to to remove you. But I, I, I agree, you're right. You could call uh, 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 artificially create a situation to to remove somebody by just spamming zips yeah. on on the snapshot, mm -hmm. right? It It will more uh, irritate the folks that are voting because they'll need to continuously be voting on stuff, even if the options are not very favorable for voting. Uh, so, so if you have not, nothing else, Big Penny, I think that wraps it up. I just yeah, want yeah, to right. uh, confirm with uh, everyone here, the council, since everyone's here, that I'll be uh, setting up the present the the. The SIP uh, vote for uh, uh, the one that uh, moves uh, the uh, dilution to L2. And so we'll vote on that as soon as possible. And then we'll vote on the rest of the SIPs by the end of the week uh, so that we don't have too many repeat votes. If, if everyone is okay with this, Kane. Uh, is this uh, possible or uh, do, we do we accelerate some of yeah, the Yeah, no, I'm... I I'm I'm okay with that. I think that's fine. I think let's get through the thing that allows us to keep going with governance. I don't think there's any urgency on the votes on any of these things other than that one. All right, perfect. In my mind, yeah, perfect. Okay. Um, Caleb, okay. I just linked in the gov core to um, the URL to correct the the sure. Five sure, I'll yeah. use that. Use the staking data no worries, now. No yeah, cool. Great. All right. Thanks. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And uh, have a good evening, good morning, and good day. That was a great first SIP uh, presentation for the year. Yeah. Um, welcome Quite back, everyone. One. If you're yeah, if you're back, um, it's going to be a fun uh, fun epoch, I think. It was a long one, yeah.